Inside the Adventure, episode number 35 with Anna Stork. If you've ever been afraid to step outside your comfort zone, then you're in the right place. Inside the Adventure features incredible athletes and everyday people sharing their epic stories of pushing life to its limits. Get ready to be inspired, face your fears, and take action with your host, Marshall Mosier. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and today I'm thrilled to share the story of Anna Stork, the co-founder of Shark Tank-featured startup Luminade, an innovative new solar company that makes a solar rechargeable inflatable lantern that packs flat and inflates to create a lightweight, waterproof light that's safe, sustainable, and portable. Their mission is to make light more sustainable and affordable for everyone with their roots heavily focused in disaster relief. They've actually currently been used in more than 70 countries and after major disasters, including Hurricane Sandy and the devastating earthquakes in Nepal. While these have been game changers in the outdoor industry as well as disaster relief, Anna's inspiration for Luminade didn't really come from prior experience in either of those areas, but rather from her excitement for innovation and her passion for problem solving. I grew up, I grew up outside of Boston in a pretty small town in Massachusetts called Sherborne. Uh, Basically, we were, my house was in the woods, so I was definitely always out outdoors. And um, I had a love for her very early on. I think that I was very interested in engineering, but then also design. Um, so those are kind of two of my passions that even from like when I was really little and taking apart things and kind of reconstructing telephones and things like that, like I was always very passionate about combining those two things. Um, and then that actually, interestingly enough, like did tie pretty, um, pretty strongly to an appreciation for, for nature and the outdoors. Um, like my, I think in my senior year of high school, I built this telescope out by hands, made it out of wood and grinded the lenses by hand. And we went on this tour um, with my classmates throughout the South to go to the different observatories out there. And I remember just being so uh, dumbfounded and amazed at how beautiful those those settings were and how many stars you could see. And I actually, so I applied to Dartmouth uh, my undergrad. And I, I went to Dartmouth to to be an astronomer. That was kind of my goal. <laughs> I quickly changed to engineering, but I went there to to because of my interest in astronomy. And Dartmouth is a really beautiful campus. It's outside. I mean, there's tons of beautiful, it's in New Hampshire and it's just in a wonderful setting. Um, and a big part of that is going outside and exploring the the region there. So I think a pretty pretty early on, I've um, had this kind of connection to the outdoors and also to to engineering and science. Um, and so it actually kind of fits in well with what I'm doing now, which is which is really nice. It seems like you were always a problem solver, even from a very early age. What were some initial things you did when you were young, like, for instance, building that telescope? And, and what were some other awesome things like that? Let's see. I remember like really early on, it's. I wanted to, I like had this company with my friend, her name was Hillary and it, our company was called AHA. So it was Anna, Hillary, Hillary, Anna. And it was like 
we, I remember like designing the, I don't even know what the program was. I think it was paint, you know, like that it was like the pro that program that comes with your computers way back then. And I remember like designing the building where our, where our office headquarters would be. Um, so very early on, I had this interest in entrepreneurship, but I don't think I even knew that it was entrepreneurship. Um, but that was kind of very much connected to, um, a desire to invent and explore different things. So I would like take things apart and put them back together. Like I used to, I don't, I have no idea. I used to just make all sorts of, all sorts of things. I was always very interested in crafts and making things with my hands. That was just something that I, I've always really enjoyed. Did you take that passion for making things and innovating into your interest with what you thought you wanted to do in going to college? And how did that lead into what you were planning on doing for a career? Yeah. So when I was at, when I was at Dartmouth, I, I, I tried a couple different things when I was there in terms of my majors and I ended up really liking engineering and studio art. So I combined the two into a major and Dartmouth is nice in that way that you kind of have a lot of flexibility. So I did engineering modified with studio art. It was really nice because it gave me the opportunity to work with like circuit designs in my engineering courses. And we had like a course that was focused on inventing a product and uh, thinking through like the intellectual property strategy through that. Uh, and then also combining that with studio art courses. So uh, different like sculpture classes. So Dartmouth was a really nice opportunity for me to kind of combine things in a way that fit well with my interests. Um, and then I, when I was in my senior year of Dartmouth, I was trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do next. And I didn't really want to be an engineer and I wasn't exactly sure like how to fit things together in the right way. So I thought that architecture would be a good combination of engineering and design. So I applied to get my master's in architecture at Columbia. And the reason I chose Columbia is because it gave you quite a bit of flexibility to kind of pave your own way and to not necessarily design buildings, but to um, design things on all different scales. So that's where that's where Luminade started. And um, and Columbia was a great, it was a great fit. So even though I didn't end up being an architect, I, I think that it gave me a lot of the right tools to to help me to where we're at right now. Well, it definitely seems like it gave you the right tools and the right environment to lead to what you're doing right now. But what was the initial vision for Luminate? How did that get started? And, and where did the inspiration come from for that? So Andrea, Andrea is my business partner for Luminate. She's my co-founder. And we were we were in our second year of architecture school. So architecture school's uh, master's of architecture is three years. We were in our second year midway through it, and it was January 2010. And our semester started just a few weeks after the earthquake in Haiti had just happened. So our studio, you can choose kind of what studio you take, and our studio was focused on designing disaster relief aid for Haiti. And Andrea and I were sitting next to each other that first day and doing research about Haiti and what the conditions were there were on the ground there. And one of the things that really struck us was the lack of lighting and the lack of electricity. So we decided to focus that semester on designing a lightweight portable lantern for emergency aid that could be kind of easily distributed. So we actually, I think we came up with the idea probably the second day while we were sitting next to each other and just thinking about it. And we decided to focus on designing an inflatable solar light. 
was this uh, really was this idea and kind of this inspiration that you came up with on the second day? Uh, did it kind of stem from any personal experiences that you guys had, or really just taking the problems um, that you needed to address and coming up with a solution? I, I think it primarily stemmed from one of the things that we saw as we read about uh, we read about a small number of solar flashlights that we were being that were being distributed, and we like we saw a picture of them and we saw how bulky and heavy they were and how clunky, um, and and they were only able to distribute I think like ten thousand or twenty thousand because of the challenges with distributing these kind of bulky heavy flashlights, um, and so that kind of was an aha moment where we were like, why is everything um, for emergency aid designed to be cost effectively distributed, like the shelters pack flat, like a lot of the emergency supplies are designed for easy distribution, except for light really wasn't something that was, um, designed for cost effective distribution. So, I mean, you think of like your basic human needs, people think of, they think of food, they think of water, they think of shelter, but I think what we realized kind of early on was that light is actually a really basic need. And these people that had lost absolutely everything, a light could actually provide a little bit of comfort and support to these people to start taking care of their family again, preparing for the next day, thinking about ways to start making money again. Like it, it would give them a it would give them some small opportunity to start thinking about and planning for the future. Whereas without light, like they were just so stuck in the moment and uh, dealing with kind of the aftermath. And we wanted to give them just a little bit more time to kind of plan. So that was the thinking behind developing, developing a lighting product. What were people's um, kind of main solutions to this problem before Luminate? Did they just uh, in a lot of disaster relief situations, was there just not light and work would only get done during the day and, and they just dealt with it? Or was there any other type of solution that they did? There really, light just hasn't been something that's been distributed in emergencies before. And that's kind of our biggest challenge is convincing these aid organizations that light should be distributed. So, I mean, some organizations might distribute like chem lights, you know, the crack lights, um, right. and that, that's one thing or potentially like candles, um, candles, but candles can be really dangerous, uh, in such in, in an informal settlement where people are kind of like packed up against each other. And there's all these types of like tarps and, um, makeshift shelters, any form of like kerosene lantern or, or, uh, or candle can be potentially very hazardous. So yeah, there really wasn't anything that was being that was being shipped. Like sometimes maybe like a small uh, disposable flashlight, you know, with non-renewable batteries would be would be distributed, but nothing that was rechargeable and long lasting. So you started this idea really from the basis of kind of a, a class project. When did you realize that this was more than that and that it actually had potential to continue further outside of that? Let's see. I think that we realized pretty early on, like when we started, we made these like handmade prototypes with plastic bags and heat sealers and soldering circuits together um, that first semester. And we would present it to our class and kind of hear their feedback. And we realized pretty early on that people thought that this was a very cool idea and saw a lot of potential for it. And when we 
when we were done with that semester, we filed a provisional patent with Columbia University. So I think that was kind of the first instance we were like, maybe this has potential, but we're not quite sure exactly what to do with it, but we'll file a provisional patent just in case. And then it was the next year that we we started to do business competitions and present in uh, several business plan competitions throughout that year. And it was then I think that we really realized the potential for the 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 potential market for this product and the potential need for this product. So I I think it was kind of that year where we really decided to make it a business. And it was also Andrea and I were, we happened to be in Japan um, in our final year of graduate school. We were, we had designed a build or we had designed a building in Japan for our final project. And we were in Tokyo during one of the largest ever recorded earthquakes. And Andrea and I had our handmade prototype with us. We were about to graduate three months later. And that was kind of an aha moment for us where Tokyo had all these rolling blackouts um, the following the following days, actually the following weeks, they had all these rolling blackouts after the earthquake. And what we realized is that even in countries with very established infrastructure like Tokyo, that there's still a real need for for portable and sustainable lighting. So we, that was also kind of just a call to action for us that when we graduated, we wanted to bring this product to market. Was it always really important for you, given the the start of Luminate, that it it really have a strong social impact focus in terms of um, giving back to people in disaster relief areas and, and things like that? It's always been at our core, and I think it always will be at our core. But we also realize the value in in selling the product to um, outdoor enthusiasts because they are great field testers as well, and they provide great product feedback. And if a product um, can hold up against the toughest outdoor conditions with you know someone who's taking it all over the world and going hiking and if it can hold up to those person's standards, then it can also work really well as a disaster relief aid product. So we have kind of combined those two channels and tried to make them kind of effectively work together to help us develop really tough and high quality products. Absolutely. And it seems like it's really taken off in the outdoor industry. When did you realize that this was a potential use case for it as well? Um, was it from any personal experiences that you did while camping? Or did you have some friends that told you, hey, I want one of these for my camping trips? How did that come about? Well, I think we realized pretty early on that like the design could be useful to a lot of different people who had like bulky flashlights that they were carrying around or bulky lanterns, non-rechargeable. Like everyone I think has a pile of a pile of like flashlights and lanterns in their basement. And there's just no need to have so many different, like different types of batteries and different types of lanterns when something that's solar rechargeable can really replace a lot of those. So um, I think we realized pretty early on about the, the universal need for like a solar rechargeable, high performing lantern. Uh, and we did a crowdfunding campaign in 2011. And what we did there was we had, we did a give one, get one model. So for every one purchased, uh, we were we we one was donated to one of our partner organizations, and I think it was through that crowdfunding campaign also that we really realized the um, the demand for a product like this in the U.S. and also internationally. 
And that was really helpful for us to see just the the potential market for the for camping and outdoors. What was the first big turning point for the company? Was it that crowdfunding campaign or was it something else? Yeah, I think I think the first turning point was definitely the crowdfunding campaign. We just I think at that point forward, we just felt like we had we had so many supporters. We had a lot of press that came as a result of that. And we just had so many people that were rooting for us that it made us really want to keep going and to keep growing this company and to keep finding good partner organizations. I think that was one turning point. Another turning point was um, after the typhoon in the uh Philippines, we were we were finally at production capacity to supply product in large volumes in an emergency. And I think that was also a very big turning point for us because we were finally able to to ship stock in a disaster situation and work with organizations on the ground to distribute that stock. So that was another turning point. Um, and then I think Shark Tank was also just a huge moment for us. I, I absolutely agree. It seems like you had a really amazing pitch on Shark Tank with, with all the sharks giving you an offer. What was that experience like being on Shark Tank, going into it? Were you nervous? And what was the the aftermath of that like? Yeah, I mean, we we were really, I mean, we had a great experience with Shark Tank. What It's a very long process. So you're actually like assigned producers quite a few, we applied online. So we applied on abc.com we were assigned produce, we got a phone call and then we were assigned to producers and basically you, you upload your, you, you send them videos of your pitch, um, of you guys, of Andrea and I presenting the pitch. We talk to them on the phone every so often and they go through Q and a with us and kind of talk through, um, just basically like pretend they pretend they're the sharks and ask us questions. It's quite a long process for them to kind of try like the tryouts is quite a long time. And then they tell you about two weeks before whether they're going to fly you out or not. So after practicing with them for quite a bit of time and also practicing with ourselves a lot, we had like classmates practice being the sharks and we, we really practiced a ton for, for the show. They told us that we were going to fly out and then we filmed in, in June of 2015 and our episode, let's see, June of 2014 and our episode aired in February of 2015. And going on the show was, it was a, it was a really fantastic experience. I mean, so you film for, we filmed for about an hour, I think, and then they edited it down to 10 minutes. So they really have a lot to work with in terms of what type of story they want to tell. And for us, like what was really important to us is that we wanted to get across the the like origin story of how we developed the product. We wanted to talk about the disaster relief aid aspects and they did a really nice job kind of tying the whole thing together. And we were lucky to get five, yeah, five offers, one from every shark. Sounds like an incredible experience. It's amazing that they filmed for an hour and only cut it down to 10 minutes. I think a lot of people don't realize that. So since they have so much content to work with, is it, is it scary knowing that they could just highlight 10 minutes of, I guess, your worst responses yeah. or 10 minutes of your best responses. And you don't really know what they're going to do. Exactly. Yes, you have no idea. And you don't see the episode before it airs. So like when everyone else saw it on that that day was the first time I saw it too. So, I mean, we were sitting there pretty nervous, like not knowing exactly what, whether they'd make us, you know, look silly or we just had no idea. So it is it is kind of nerve wracking for those months leading up to it, but you're also just, you're so excited. And in the end, just being able to 
you know, communicate your story to so many people, the details don't totally matter, probably. Exactly. And I'm sure you got a good sense given that you knew you got the deals. So hopefully they they would try to make you look as good as possible. Yeah, exactly. So that's good. What was the aftermath of Shark Tank like? Did that really help to give you uh, an even bigger launching point to get the, the word out there? So Mark Cuban has a team of people that work with all of his Shark Tank companies, and we email him on a weekly basis as well. And they really provide a lot of good support for us. Um, and we were really happy that we chose him and really happy with the type of commitment that they show to their portfolio company. So that's been great. And then in terms of our sales in 2015, we just saw tremendous growth of Shark Tank. So that was really exciting. And it's something that um, is really nice for us to also to talk to retailers about and to say, you know, we were on Shark Tank, like this is our this is our episode. It is helpful in a number of different ways just to communicate our company mission and also show how how well we're doing. So it seems like Mark Cuban really ended up being a great mentor for you guys. Were there other mentors that helped in other aspects of the company? You know, so we we attend the outdoor retail show every or twice a year. We've attended it for the last, uh, I don't know, maybe five years. And actually, we've met a lot of really good resources through that show, whether it's founders of other companies or or um, just people that we've that are in the outdoor industry, that's been a really good resource for us. Um, just asking questions about retail pricing and distribution and sales reps and all of those things that are kind of hard to get answers to. We found the best mentors in kind of other other companies that are doing similar things. So that's actually been an, a very helpful a helpful thing that we've done. What type of companies do you really aspire to be like that really um, really, uh, motivate you to, to kind of adopt a lot of the principles that they've used? Uh, I love, I love, I think BioLite has done a great job. I mean, they were, they actually probably started in a similar point in time when we did, or potentially a little bit before, and they've done a great job growing their product line, growing their company and staying true to their core values and mission and, I, I think they've done a really good job building their brand. Um, I also, I, I worked for the company Warby Parker um, as an intern for for a couple months before, or kind of while starting Luminade. And that also is a company that's really inspired me just to see their growth and also their commitment to their, to their brand image and also to their give light, I mean, sorry, their donation, uh, their charitable aspect has been something that I've really admired. What's the biggest factor about a company that you admire that you want, that you hope that Luminade will embody? That's a really good question. I think that the most important thing I think for us is, is quality of product and, and making sure that our products are as high performing and we're using the best materials possible. I think product is, is the kind of most important thing. Um, and then second I think is, and I think with that goes innovation. So for us, like our, we came out with this solar inflatable technology but we really want to push the boundary with what that could be and different types of solar panels, different batteries. Like we're still thinking through what else we can do. So that's, I think, really key. And then the other thing I think is just like clarity of 
clarity of mission and and the vision that you're commuting communicating to your customers. And for us, it's a little bit of a challenge because we're targeting we're targeting emergency aid and outdoor adventures. And I think our greatest challenge and also our greatest asset is being able to communicate those kind of two things and how they connect. Um, so I think that's also something that I hope Luminade can continue to do and become better at as well. What's your vision for Luminade for the impact you, you, you hope to have uh, in the next you know, 5, 10, 15 years in the future? We're really excited to continue to expand our product line and just think through what else you can do with solar that will, what else you can design with solar. I think there's so many different types of products and different ways of working with solar that can be really innovative and innovative and really unique and very useful to people. So we're really excited to, to explore different, different products. Uh, we just launched, um, recently a phone, a solar a solar inflatable lantern and phone charger. So it's dual. It has a really bright lantern and also a phone charger. We launched that on Kickstarter. And that's an exciting product for us because we've received so much feedback about wanting a phone charger part of a phone charger aspect to our product. So it, both in the NGO market, so our disaster relief aid customers and also in the camping camping outdoor market. So we're excited to have that uh, so I'm, I think mainly I'm excited for new products continuing to expand, um, the innovation in our company. Um, and that's really, that's really my focus right now. I think that's a, a really awesome focus. What do you think is, mm-hmm. is one of the up and coming things in the future, um, kind of combining solar and innovation together that you see as, you know, a major game changer that's, that's down the road. I, I think there's a, there's a lot of, um, improvement in efficiencies in solar. So solar is becoming more and more efficient. It's becoming thinner. It's becoming more flexible. Like there's a lot of different flexible solar options. Um, so I think that solar will become more, more wearable and more potentially more flexible and thinner and people will start to explore thin film a little bit more. Like right now, there aren't that many products that incorporate thin film solar, which is like really, really thin paper thin solar panels because it's not that efficient. But I think that there's a lot of opportunities with that in terms of designing products. And I'm sure eventually the efficiencies will catch up. So I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see kind of new types of solar. Like there used to be like um, even semi-transparent solar panels and things like that. A lot of the solar business has kind of struggled the past couple of years, but I think it's coming back. So hopefully there will be some more innovation in the field. Well, I'm excited to see how you guys drive the <laughs> innovation and future uh, success of solar. Um, it's, I think you're already doing an amazing job so far, and it's really cool to, to see kind of the progression of how that's going to change in the future. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you as well, it, it seems like from an outside perspective, and these things always do seem like this from an outside perspective, but you guys have been doing an amazing job. It seems like you've had a lot of success, but I know as a founder, it may not have always felt like that. What were some of the hurdles you had to overcome and how did you get past this? Yeah, I mean, I think one of our, we had, you always have hurdles, I guess, as an entrepreneur, there's always ups and downs. I think for us, some of the hurdles have been 
um, copycats in the market. So we developed this solar inflatable technology. And of course, there's bound to be copycats that come about. So I mean, one of the things that we've been doing is just trying to strengthen our portfolio and file as many patents as we can and work with Mark Cuban's team on thinking through a good strategy for that. But I think that's that's pretty challenging just to keep your eye on innovation, keep your eye forward and make sure that you're not benchmarking yourself with a copycat or with a competitor. Like you really want to, you really want to make sure that you're thinking that you're thinking ahead and really developing the best products, highest quality products that, that you can. So that's been a challenge I think, uh, for, for, for Luminate, but we, our commitment is just to design the best products possible. And I think we've done a very good, a very good job at developing really high quality and high performing lanterns. Um, I think other, other challenges are because we have so many different types of customers. So we work with disaster relief aid and we also work with, we work with camping and outdoor and we only have five people on our team. So we're all spread pretty thin in terms of, um, just working on multiple sales channels at once. And so that's something that we're just thinking through, we're thinking through now, but it's been really helpful to have multiple sales channels because it's provided a good revenue stream for our company to grow. Um, but it is, you know, it is difficult to just have a lot of different types of operations and things like that. So yeah, those are two challenges that have been, have been difficult for us, but also good, good motivators. What do you think has been a, a challenge for you personally? Let's see. I I think early on it was it, it was especially challenging when when Luminade wasn't quite up and running and I was spending so much time on something that still had a lot of question marks and I wasn't quite sure when it was going to be up and running and um and we weren't paying our, I didn't pay myself a salary. We didn't pay ourselves salaries for the first three years or so. So I was living, I was living, living with my parents, I think for two years or so. And then, um, that those first couple of years were really hard, just trying to get it moving and growing and trying also just to, when I, I went to, you know, very good universities and all of my friends were getting paid very high salaries, having very successful jobs. So it was a little hard to, to be, at a slower speed than a lot of, a lot of them. But I think now that everything is moving and growing, there are somewhat less personal challenges in terms of just feeling confident and really happy with what we've accomplished. Um, I think I have a lot of confidence now in what we've, what we've done and I'm really proud of it. So there are some, somehow it's gotten a little bit easier, which has been really helpful. When you were first getting started and you weren't paying yourself a salary and you were living at your parents' house, <laughs> I know that's that's a difficult position to be in. We you know, we gotta do what we need to do. But what yeah. was the reaction of your family and friends towards what you were doing? Were they supportive or were they telling you, Maybe you should go get you know, a real job like your friends that are uh, you know, getting a salary? Yeah, I mean, I don't think my I think some of my friends maybe understood like what what I was doing, but some of them probably didn't. My family was very supportive, but I think they were also a little bit worried about me. Like they, 
you know, the, until we started hiring people and working with people, like we were very independent, just kind of Andrea was actually in business school and I was, I was in Massachusetts and Andrea was in Chicago. So we we're kind of separate working on, working on this venture together. And it was a little bit lonely. So I think those, I think my parents, my family was a little worried about me that they just wanted to make sure that this was the right choice. But pretty soon, and that crowdfunding campaign really helped actually, because it was a moment of, sharing this with so many people and getting so many people involved that it really validated the project. So that actually was a really helpful, helpful thing just to make other people realize that this had potential, even though Andrea and I maybe knew that it did it. I think something like that really helps everyone else to be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I think they're doing a good job. Exactly. It really does. <laughs> and I know you've probably learned so much uh, both personally and professionally through, you know, these past years of what you've done, if you could go back and, and tell yourself right in the first day when you were designing this product and coming up with the idea, if you could go back and tell yourself one bit of advice, what would that be? Oh, that's a really good question. Let's see. I think one of the things that I tell entrepreneurs now or aspiring entrepreneurs that entrepreneurship is a roller coaster and it is very up and down and every moment that's down you think is kind of the end and you're like, Oh, I'm done. Like this is, I can't do this anymore. But you have to, in those moments, you have to remember that very soon you'll have, you'll have an up moment. And that's what's so great about this experience is that you, you take everything to heart and you take everything so personally. And so the bad things are really hard, but in those moments of the, when things are kind of low, I just always remind myself now that there's going to be a really good moment coming, coming around the corner. And that's been really helpful for me just to take things a little bit lighter and take things in stride and to know that it is very up and down, but there's a lot of really good things to, to come. So I think, yeah, I would probably just tell myself to take things a little bit lighter and just to know that that there that there will be some difficult things, but there's also a lot of good things that will outweigh those challenges. Absolutely. And I, I really liked what you said in the beginning when you were talking about how sometimes you shouldn't take things personally, but by doing that, it kind of helps to motivate you a little bit more. What do you think mm -hmm. is is the biggest way you stay focused and motivated as, as an entrepreneur? I think the biggest, I, I have such a drive to, it's not to not fail. Cause I, I'm not so worried about failing or iterating or making changes, but I, I definitely am very driven to keep figuring out the best way to make Luminade grow. And, and I think that for me, that has been the biggest motivator is I, I guess I'm a very like stubborn and competitive person in terms of just wanting to, I'm very committed to making this company work and to grow and to figuring out the best way to do that. And I think that that is kind of an underlying push that's, that's helping me continue to move forward. Of all the things you've experienced over the past couple of years, what's been the best in terms of helping you to to get that growth effect that you've always wanted? Helping me what? Sorry. Helping you to grow the company in a scalable, sustainable way. Uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of companies try a bunch of different things, some which work, a lot of things which don't work. Um, so what do you think's worked the best in terms of helping you guys grow? 
the best thing that's worked for Illuminate is hiring really smart people. So we're, we're a really small team. We're a team of five, but I think we're doing the sales and the volumes of much larger companies. And that is a direct result of just having great employees. We've hired like a few people right out of University of Chicago, and they've been with us for a couple of years now. And I mean, they teach me, they teach me things every day and they're fantastic. And so I think Andrea and I are just very fortunate to have great, great colleagues and employees to work with. That's such a important focus for companies. I, I absolutely agree. Well, if, <laughs> if you could give someone listening today who might want to go out and start their own company as well, one, one bit of advice, one thing that you think is the most important thing um, to really share, what would that piece of advice be? I think one of the most important things for us very early early on was sharing the sharing the idea and sharing the vision. So through through crowdfunding, through business plan competitions and presentations and things like that, those really helped us. Um, it helped us like one kind of start holding ourselves more accountable for what we were communicating because we were sharing it with so many people and so many people were rooting for us. Um, and it also helped us kind of refine what that vision was and get feedback on it. So I think my my greatest advice to anyone who has an idea is just to find ways to to share it through video or images or a, a crowdfund campaign or work on a business plan competition, just ways to start refining it, even like pitch competitions where you just have to refine a one minute pitch to someone. I think those are really good ways just to get the get it out there. And you'll learn a lot just from, from sharing it and you'll start to learn a lot about yourself too and your passion for it, the more you share it. So I think that's my, my biggest piece of advice. Well, I I think just hearing your story and all the things you've done and all the things you've learned is, is a huge inspiration. And I, I really think that a lot of, uh, there's a lot of amazing takeaways for, for everyone who might want to go out and do something similar themselves. So thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to, to hear your story and really, uh, it's really great to have you on the show. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening today, guys. That was Anna Stork, the founder of Luminade, who is obviously an incredibly humble person, but she actually has a lot to brag about that she didn't mention such as she was recently named as one of the Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2016, one of the Outdoor Industry Association's 30 Under 30, one of the LinkedIn Next Wave 35 Under 30 in 2015, and she gets to speak with Mark Cuban on a weekly basis. Or rather, I should say, Mark Cuban gets to speak with her. If you or someone you know has your own adventure story and would like to be featured on the show, you can contact us by visiting vestigo.co slash podcast. While on our website, you can also listen to our past episodes and subscribe to the show. Remember, your next adventure is right around the corner. The only thing stopping you is you. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week on Inside the Adventure.